0: Hey, thanks for listening to the Afresh Church message podcast. Our hope is that today's message is encouraging and uplifting and ultimately will draw you into a closer and deeper relationship with Jesus starting right now. As we turn to First Samuel chapter seventeen and uh, verse thirty-two, I'll give us a little bit of background. Um, David, you, you've probably heard the story before, and it's a it's a wonderful story. David and Goliath. How many have heard David and Goliath at least once in their life? Okay, so you know what happens. No spoilers. All right, um, <laughs> but David uh, David is this shepherd boy, and uh, he is is. Kind of scrawny. He's not really. he's kind of like me. He's not really like built that much, um, and and he's just kind of like a scrawny shepherd boy, and, and and he's young. He's he's the runt of the family. Like not really that that big of a deal. Everyone kind of overlooks David. In fact, his dad even overlooked him when they were trying to uh, when when Samuel was trying to anoint the king. So 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 this this story here it opens up. David is is uh, is, is the the youngest son. And so he's not even like qualified to be in King Saul's army. And uh, all of his brothers, most of his brothers are in King Saul's army. And, and so they're, they're fighting these Philistines and this, this Philistine giant, Goliath, who's like nine feet tall and like super buff, um, stands and he's like, hey, I'm going to defy your God. I'm going to speak death into you and I'm going to threaten you and, and, and I want someone to fight me. And uh, the, 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 the agreement is if someone fights me and kills me, we'll be your slaves. But if someone fights me and I kill them, you'll be our slaves. So it's high stakes, right? And so nobody in, in, in Saul's army is, is brave enough to take on this, this, this Philistine giant. No, no one's brave enough to do it, except David. He's not even in the army. In fact, David is, is just the, he's the Uber Eats guy. And uh, he's, his dad's like, hey, go take your brother some bread. And he's like, all right, cool. And so he has no idea what he's going to. And, and so he gets there, and, and uh, David's like, what the heck is going on? Who, who does this guy think he Who is this man that gets to defy the armies of the living God? And, and all of the brothers and, and you know, Saul is like, oh, it's, 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 it's Goliath. You know, we can't really do anything. We're, we're, we would die. It, it would not be good. And so David's like, well. And so he starts asking around and, and he's like, what, what, what is, what's the deal with this guy? And he's trying to find some information. He's like, you know what? I'm going to take on this guy. I'm going to take on, I'm going to fight this man. And so this is where we, this is where we come in, in uh, verse 32 here. David is, is, is talking to, to King Saul and he's like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take over this, 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 this battle here. And so this is where we'll, we'll, we'll dive in. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 32. Uh, and this is, uh, this is David. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul, I'll go fight him. And don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. Wow. Okay, thanks, David. I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it again to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead. And he said, may the Lord be with you. Basically just like, all right, you're going to die. That's fine. And Saul gave David his own armor, I guess just to, to be nice, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like. For he had never worn such things before, and he said, I, I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. <clears throat> he picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into a shepherd's bag. Then, armed only with a shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out towards David with his shield-bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog? He roared at David. Is that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. Okay. And, 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 and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals. The whole world will know that there is a God in Israel, and everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, not with a sword and a spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. And I'm sure that made Goliath real mad. So he moved closer to attack David, and quickly ran. And I was, he moved closer to attack, and David quickly ran out to meet him, reaching into a shepherd's bag, taking out a stone. He hurled it with a sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone stank. stank st- 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 hang on. The stone. <laughs> sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. And most pastors leave this out, but I'm leaving it in. Then David ran over to to pull Goliath's sword from his sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. Welcome to the Old Testament. Okay, so we don't like that part. We like to leave that part out. But um, (laughs) I love this. I love this story, and let me just... Quickly give us a, a, um, a synopsis. The, 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 the purpose of this story is not to cut off the head of people you don't, you don't like, okay? Just wanna clear a common ground there. That's not what I'm telling you to do, that's not what God's telling you to do. But I want to take a few moments today to look at David's, to look at David's boldness and courage. And, and, and I, I don't know anyone who walks through life who desires to be timid and anxious and awkward all the time. So, you know, we look at David, and we, we, we think, wow, man, I would love to be bold like David. Wow, I wish I had the confidence of David. And, and, and so I, I, I just, I, I've, 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 what am I trying to say? I don't think we want to walk around in timidity. We want to walk around in boldness and in faith and in courage. And I've got good news for us today because when we are men and women after God's own heart, boldness is a side effect. If you're looking for a promise of God today, if you're a man or woman after God's own heart and you're pursuing him, boldness becomes a side effect the, the more you pursue God, the more God gives you his, his courage and his boldness and audacity to do things in the name of the Lord. Because you've either got to be crazy or you've got to be senseless to be a teenage shepherd boy and be like, you know what, I'm going to take on this giant. I think I can do it with no training, no armor, and no weapons, uh, you know, but and let me go get some rocks and, you know, a stick, a shepherd's staff. And, you know, at first glance, you don't know if this is courage or if this is like borderline stupidity, but... The reason David was able to step out in such confidence against this giant who was stronger than him, who was bigger than him, who was mightier than him, is because David had a greater fear of God more than he feared Goliath. And God, who is greater than him, is mightier than him, who is stronger than Goliath. David had a greater fear of God than David had a fear of Goliath. And, 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 and it's not that David was confident in himself It's not that David was confident in his abilities. It's not that David was confident in his weapons of choice or his gifts and talents and charisma. He was confident in the living God who lives inside of him. And this confidence comes when we are men and women after God's own heart. But we cannot be men and women after God's own heart if we are not God-fearing people. We have to be God. Excuse me. Ugh, weird. We have to be God-fearing people. So this is what I want to talk about today, is is fearing God. If you're looking for a message title, we're going to name it Fear is Essential. Thank you, Nikki. You can tell. Fear is essential. Go ahead and turn to your neighbor real quick while I grab a drink and tell him fear is essential today. Go ahead. Elbow him. Wake him up real quick. Say, fear is essential. Fear is essential. Turn to your other neighbor, the one you ignored, and tell him the same thing. Fear is essential. Fear is essential. I'm going to pray over us real quick. God, thank you so much for this for this time that we get to spend together. God, pray for my voice, and I just pray you would heal it and allow me to speak this message you've given me today and uh, just be in the midst of this place this morning as we learn what it looks like to be closer to your heart, to, to be after your own heart, and what it looks like to fear you. We pray that you would speak to us this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. <clears throat> amen. Yeah, this, this, this idea that we should... Um, this idea that we should fear God, it, it, it makes us a little uneasy, doesn't it? It kind of just like makes you sit in your seat a little bit weird. You know what I mean? It's like, fear God, what? That doesn't, fe- fear God, that doesn't make any sense. Well, you know, God is, is good, right? Why would I fear God? And, you know, I feel like there are more rational things to fear in this life. Um, and let me, let me see if you, show of hands, who's afraid of snakes? Anyone afraid of snakes? Ooh, my mom's hand went up. She hates snakes. Uh, who's afraid of stink bugs? Okay, I'm pretty sure it's just a few people and my wife. My wife will freak out at the sight of a stink bug and ladybugs. I'm like, these are like the most harmless bugs of like of all the bugs to be afraid of. It's stink bugs and ladybugs. But she's like, ah, she freaks out every time she sees. What about uh, mice? Anybody afraid of mice? <laughs> Man, I hate mice. Oh, gosh. We've been having such a, like, I, I, we've been having, like, mice problems here, and I'm just, I'm so sick of it. We, I caught three this morning on the way in, and I was like, I can't believe, I checked the traps. I'm just kidding. Do you feel the fear? You know what I'm talking about? Do you feel that, that fear? I, my mom's eyes were, like, this big. No joke. She hates mice. <laughs> Sorry for lying. There's no rodents here. But what about heights? Anybody afraid of heights? Anybody afraid? Okay. roller coasters. Okay. All right. My mom's afraid of everything here. <laughs> oh my gosh. Scaredy cats. What about clowns. Anybody afraid of clowns? Ooh, yeah. It's like a, it's like a new generation fear, clowns. You know, they, the, the clown, like whole epidemic thing of clowns ruined Ronald McDonald, killed Ronald McDonald, for real. They, they, they stopped him because of that. What about uh, the ocean? Is anybody afraid of the ocean? Okay, a few of us. I am terrified of the ocean, right? Um, if, if, if God wanted me in the ocean, he'd give me fins and gills. I'm not going in that thing. That thing is deep. I saw Finding Nemo. Um, anybody claustrophobic? Claustrophobic in here. I, ugh, just thinking about it makes me, ugh. <clears throat> what about public speaking? Anybody hate public speaking? <laughs> wow. And so, you know, public, sp- it's, it's so funny. Public sp- people actually fear public speaking more than they fear death, which means, at a funeral, you would rather be in the casket than next to it, delivering... <laughs> I can't believe that. Probably, that's funny. You know, uh, we, we've been overcome with fear the last couple of years. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but um, the world kind of shut down two 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 and a half and a half, almost three years ago, and it was, it was a big deal. Like, we dealt with a lot of fear. I don't care who you are or what side of the mask and vaccine mandate you're on. I don't care. Don't tell me. But... I can tell you, everybody experienced this, this this fear of I don't know what this is, what's going on, what is my future going to look like? We all experience some sort of fear, and I'm sick and tired of the word Zoom, gosh, and Zoom meetings. But we we we've experienced what it what it's like to fear, and you know these are these are rational things to fear, right? These are rational things to be afraid of. So so when I hear the the the, the phrase fear God. It just doesn't sit right with me. It, it doesn't make any sense sometimes. This is the God who created the universe, the God who created you and me, who knows every hair on our head, whose mercies are new every morning, who, 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 who uh, the, is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, who was crucified and buried and resurrected on the third day. This God, why would we fear this God? It doesn't make any sense. We should love God and follow God and have a relationship with God, but fear, fear God. It just doesn't make any sense, and it almost seems like a like a like an irrational fear, or like a like or, uh, like a contradictory fear. You know, <clears throat> when we when we talk uh, when we talk about fear in God, we're you know we're uneasy. We're not supposed to feel fear when it, when you know when 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 God comes in the room. Uh, let me see where my Bible scholars are. For for God did not give us a spirit of fear but of power love and a sound mind uh, 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 or perfect love casts out all fear and god is love so when god comes in the picture why are we supposed to fear God, your Bible and my Bible says the phrase fear God. It instructs us to fear God over 300 times. Just a few examples. We'll throw them up on the screen because I didn't write them down. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline you want to be smart, fear God. Ecclesiastes, this is the the purpose of life. That's the whole story. Now, here's my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commandments, for this is everyone's duty. Proverbs 14, 27, fear of the Lord is a life-giving fountain. It offers escape from the snares of death. Keep going. Psalms 34, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. The very next verse says, fear the Lord. Fear the Lord, you his godly people, for those who fear him will have all that they need. Psalms 34, 11, just a little bit later, this is David. Come, my children, listen to me. I would teach the children how to fear the Lord. Psalms 112, praise the Lord. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. Psalms 211, serve the Lord with reverent fear and rejoice with trembling. This is Moses here in Exodus, and he says, don't be afraid, Moses answered them, for God has come is to test you, for God has come in this way to test you, and so that your fear of Him will keep you from sinning. Keep it right there. Don't be afraid. And in the same verse, fear God. Doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. And, and it's, it's almost an oxymoron to fear God. But it's an, it's, it's an important distinction to know that the Bible is actually talking about two different kinds of fears. Two different kinds of fears. There's, there's, there's the emotional fear, the act of, of being afraid. When you see a shark in the water, that's like, ah, it's fear. You know, with being scared, I, I hate being scared. I'm so jumpy. My wife loves to scare me. And I, was, and I always tell her, I'm not, you know, we're not designed to feel the spirit of fear, okay? She'll, like, turn the lights on. One time I had a, a drink. I was coming up the stairs. I had a full drink, a full glass of a drink, and she turned the lights, on. I was like, ah! And I I did. <laughs> Soaking wet. So there's, there's that, the fear, the ah, fear, the scary fear. And then there's the fear of God, which means to, to reverence God, to, to, to respect God, to stand in awe of God, to honor God, and to exalt God. God, this is, there's two different types of fear a scary fear, and a, a fear of, you know, of, of, or a fear in being afraid. And then there's a godly fear, and it's a reverent fear, it's a respectful fear. We don't serve a God who wants us to be afraid of Him. I need you to know that today. We don't serve a God who is trying to scare us. We serve a God who wants us to reverence him, who wants us to see him for who he is and what he can do and, and how much he loves us. It's this fear that is, that is just overwhelming of how much bigger and mightier and greater he is than we are. And, and you know, to, he wants us to see him as the almighty, all-powerful God that he is. And there's this beautiful distinction in scripture in Mark chapter 4, and, it, and it's... Um, I'll give you the story. I won't read the scriptures too much. But uh, Jesus and his disciples, they decide to go across the lake on a boat. And Mark adds that Jesus took a nap, but he was like, and Jesus took it on a pillow, on a cushion, which tells me it was intentional. You don't fall asleep on a, you don't... Like, hey, I'm just you fall asleep by accident. It's, it's intentional if you have a cushion, if you have a pillow. Mark adds that. It's just funny. But anyways, the, the, the disciples who are fishermen are in this boat, and then all of a sudden, the winds and the waves, they pick up, and you know, they're tossing the boat around, and these disciples, they're freaking out, scary fear. Ah, ah, what are we going to do? And you know it's really bad if, if, if these disciples, they're fishermen. Fishermen see f- s- storms all the time. So for them to freak out about a storm, you, you, this is a big storm. And they're, they're mad at Jesus because he's asleep in the back of the boat. <laughs> and so either they're, you're freaking out like, Jesus, Jesus. They wake up. G- 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 get up, man. What are you going to do? We're, we're, we're going to die here. And, and Jesus you know, <gasps> gets up a little bit, kind of walks to the front of the boat. You know, the boat's like this. And he's just like walking you know, into the front. And he's like, peace be still. And all of a sudden, the winds and the waves, they calm. And the disciples, they say, Oh, who is this man that even the winds and the waves obey him? And in in, in an instant they go from freaking out fear to a reverent fear. Who is this man? Who is this man that the winds and the waves look look at his mighty acts and and his wonder and and we are just gonna stand in awe. Who is this man? And I love that this pastor says it this way, and he puts it this way, he said, They feared too late. They feared God too late. He said, they, they, they should have seen the winds and the waves and looked back at Jesus and, sa- and they should have said, who is this man that can sleep in the midst of the boat? He must know something clearly that we don't know. He's going to take care of us if he's fine, then we're going to be fine as well. That's, that's what they should have done. They feared too late. But, but, but it's this diff- two different types of fear. And so instead of being afraid of the winds and the waves, I should be fearing God. I should be reverencing God because clearly he knows something that we don't. The fear of God should cause me to be still even when the waves aren't. Oh, that's good. The fear of God should cause us, should cause us to be still even when the winds and the waves and the boat isn't. If we have Jesus on our boat, if we have God in our lives, we have this reverent fear for him and he's saying everything's going to be all right, then that should cause us to peace be still. Two different types of fear. So if we fear God, we don't have to fear anything else. If we fear God, we don't have to be afraid of anything. We can be confident with Jesus. We can be confident with the Lord in our lives. And no storm, no circumstance, no attack of the enemy, and certainly no Goliath can overcome us if we have a reverent fear of the Lord. But I'll be honest with you. I don't want to tell us this to discourage us, but I just want to be truthful. On paper, we should be afraid of God. Now, take this with a grain of salt. On paper, we should be afraid. We should be scared of God. And the reason is, is because there's not one single good person in this room today. Not you, certainly not me. So, so if there's not a single good person in this room, and we're, we're all jacked up, we're all messed up, we're all broken, we've all got our own stuff that we're trying to hide this morning. We've all got it. We're all dragging it around with us. I'm not trying to discourage us, but I'm just telling us the truth. And Romans 3.23 says this, for everyone is sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. That's Paul writing. Even Paul himself is not perfect. He, he's, he's got his own stuff as well, which means no matter how hard you try, no matter how, you know, how, how no matter how well you sing the songs in church, how well you know the songs, how how on key you are, no matter how many people you bring to church, no matter how many you version Bible plans you do, no matter how much you give in the offering buckets, you cannot earn salvation. You cannot earn righteousness. You cannot earn right standing with God. I don't care if you memorize the whole Bible in the King James. You can't do it. It's impossible. It's impossible for us to to measure up to God's glorious standard. And one of the biggest lies we can tell ourselves, we can tell each other, is that we can earn righteousness. That if you do good enough, if you don't do the bad things we're not supposed to do, then you'll get into heaven. That's such a big lie. We, We can't earn it. It's not upon our merit. We can't earn righteousness. We can't earn our way to heaven. And I know it's you know uh, uh, it's it's a good practice to say be like Jesus or you know WWJD? What would Jesus do? And I love that. That's great. But understand that doesn't that does not earn you a spot into heaven. It does not earn you a spot into eternity. It's impossible. We're too bad. We're too broken. So on paper, when we look at ourselves and we look at the measure of God. We should be terrified because what is sin? Sin is what separates us from God. It's this infectious, cancerous disease that separates us from God. This hair separates us from God. And when we're separated from God, God is the source of life. We're separated from life. And God is the source of all things good. We're separated from all things good. When we're separated from God by this curse of sin that should freak us out that should be terrifying we should be trembling and 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 that's the reality but i have some really really good news is that god is so gracious and so compassionate and so full of love and full of mercy and it's not that he 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 is 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 it's not that he has to offer forgiveness no 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 he wants to offer forgiveness he wants to be with us Maybe you've heard that, maybe you haven't, but I need you to hear today, God wants you. He really does. He knows what you've done, he still wants you. He knows where you've been, he still wants you. He knows how you are and how you're built, he still wants you. He wants to be with you. And so, so while we are, st- the Bible says, while we were still sinners, when we were God's enemies, Christ came to die for us and took our place on the cross, on the Roman cross that we deserve to pay for the price of our sins, and I know we don't like to think about God this way sometimes, but it's, it's the truth that God is just and God is sovereign. And so it's not that he wants to it's not that how do I put this? It's not that he wants to forgive your sins so you can keep sinning. It's he wants to completely remove your sins. It's not a hall pass. It's, it's, it's an exit strategy. And, and it's, it's when, when, when Jesus comes into our life, he, he can help us be, be, be freed from this sin. The Holy Spirit guides our lives. He can help us be free from this sin. It's not that God offers us the forgiveness of sin so we can keep on doing it. That's not true. Because that wouldn't make God sovereign. That wouldn't make God good. What makes God good is that he is absent of sin. There is no sin in God. It doesn't, It cannot coexist. Therefore, if we are sinful, we cannot coexist except for the forgiveness of Jesus and the, uh, the, the offering of the blood. So even in our wicked ways, he loves us too much to keep us that way. We don't like to think of God as, as, as just, and he is a judge, and he will judge sin, but he will. But we have the forgiveness stamp of Jesus on our lives that, again, is an, is an exit strategy, not a hall pass. So, because... <laughs> I'd be a terrible doctor, wouldn't I, if I said, I don't believe in cancer. <laughs> I'd be a terrible doctor if I said, ah, uh, cancer's not bad. And you can live with it peacefully, and you'll be fine. You don't need treatment. It's all good. I'd be a terrible doctor if I told you that, wouldn't I? And or, I would be a terrible parent if I said, kids, eat whatever you want for breakfast. We know how dangerous that can get. <laughs> I know, because I'm an adult, and I eat whatever I want for breakfast. <laughs> Cookies are breakfast, um, and you know, it's like, hey, eat your ice cream for you know lunch and dinner. It's fine. You're good. I'd be a terrible parent. No. Why do Why do we uh, Why do we want to adjust our kids' diet so we know because we know what's good for them? We don't want them to rot their teeth out and you know and rot their stomachs out because all they have is sugar. You know. So so if God is is good, He does not want to keep us in sin. He wants to free us from it. And so, so we should be afraid of God on paper. but Because of the forgiveness of Jesus, because of the sacrifice of Jesus, God doesn't give us what we deserve. And, and, and with his forgiveness, we are able to fear him and, and reverence him and, and live our lives in, in, in all of him, in, in gratefulness towards him. We don't have to be afraid of God if we fear God. We don't have to be afraid of anything if we Fear God and just take a look at David. We'll get back to get back to David. David lived with such a great fear of the Lord. He spent every waking moment honoring him and living for him and giving him the, 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 the respect and the reverence that, that God deserves. He wanted to pursue God. And the more he pursued God, the more he knew God. And the more he knew God, the more he feared God. And the more he feared God, the more he could hear from God. And the more he could hear from God, the, 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 the closer he could follow God. It, it's, it's this ongoing process. But, but the more and more he feared the Lord, the more and more confident he would be in the face of a nine-foot giant. The more he feared God, the less he feared Goliath. The more he feared God, the less he feared everything else. That's just, that's, that's how it was. But, 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 but hear me, David's fear did not start on the battlefield. David's fear didn't start on the battlefield. It began in the pastures. Remember, he was a shepherd. He was a shepherd. So, so, so David is, is this, this lowly shepherd boy, And he watched over these sheep. That's where his fear of the Lord was developed. It wasn't on the battlefield when Goliath showed up. His fear didn't begin with Goliath showed up. It began with David watching the sheep and doing what God was asking him to do. David feared and reverenced God, not just for how powerful he is, Although he did, but not just for how powerful he is and not just for how he can rescue us from our situations, but he feared God's wonder. He feared God's splendor. He feared God's goodness, and, and, and he reverenced that, and he honored that with his life and his majesty and his beauty. He feared God. He, he respected God. But he was just a shepherd. He wasn't a warrior, and he still feared God. He he was he was he was just uh, he was just a shepherd. In fact, actually, uh, right before this story, right in, in 1 Samuel chapter sixteen, uh, Samuel is a prophet, and he's going to anoint the next king. And 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 Jesse, David's dad, says, "Yeah, I've got seven sons." And he lied because he actually had eight. And, and Samuel went through all seven sons. He's like, no, the Lord's not saying this is the king. The Lord's not saying this is the king. He's like, are you sure you don't have any more sons? Like, it's a pretty awkward question to ask. Are you sure you didn't forget one? And Jesse said, well, I mean, well, there's David. He's out in the back, and the pastor is just watching the sheep and the goats. Samuel's like, bring him to me. Let me see. And as soon as he walked in the door, the Lord was like, that's the guy. And so Samuel anointed David at a young age to be the king of Israel, to overtake the, uh, the, the current king, King Saul. And you know what David did right after that? He went back to the fields. I found that so interesting. Because a lot of the time, I think, in our minds, we, when, when, when we hear from God and, and we, we hear you know, God tell us, hey, I want to do this with you. That's all we focus on. We're like, all right, I'm going to do this. And then we, start to, we take God's advice and we start to live it out and, and, and flesh it out ourselves instead of being patient and, and doing what he asked us to do. But David wasn't like that. David was like, okay, I'll be the king. But first, I've still got to be a shepherd. That's what God's calling me to do. This is the season I'm in. I'll, I'll focus on that season when it happens. And he was so patient. And so, so he feared God's plans more than he feared his own plans, more than he wanted his own plans. He feared God that much. same was like, you're the king. He's like, great, thanks. I'll see you in a few years. <laughs> How much fear do you have to have? How much honor and respect do you have to have for a God to go and watch some smelly sheep, even though you've been promised that you would be king. And and David would spend hours and hours and hours in the presence of the Lord, singing and dancing and fearing and revering him, and and, and not to prepare for battle, not to, to, it wasn't like, I'm going to fear you, God, so I can defeat the giants later on. That wasn't it. He feared God because he loved God. And he wanted to be closer to God because God is worthy of being feared. And David knew that fearing him and reverence the Lord would bring him closer to his heart because he loved God and he wanted to honor God with his life. He didn't fear God just to get out of tough times. Maybe that's for somebody today. He he, he didn't go to church just to get out of tough times. He didn't pray just to get out of tough times. He prayed because he loved him. He worshiped because he loved him. He feared him because he loved him. But it started in the pasture. It wasn't on the battlefield. It started in the pasture. And this is where we get psalms, like my favorite psalm, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Just listen to the love of God in this this psalm. He leads me to the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We got that in the field. That came out of a field, not the battlefield. Fearing God is not reserved for the battlefield. It's not reserved for the bad times in our lives, but I'll tell you, if you fear him in the pasture, he'll make you ready for when Goliath shows up. He will. If you fear him in the pasture, you'll be ready to fear him when Goliath Shows up because confidence is built on consistency. If you're taking notes, write that down. Confidence is built on consistency, confidence is built on consistency. And let me give you an example. Remember your first day at your job? You had no clue what you were doing. <laughs> and if you if your answer phones the first time you answer the phone, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm just going to, uh, hello? hello. <laughs> you know, you're, you're nervous. You don't know what you're doing. But then you've been there for 10 years and you're like, yeah, I'll just you talk to the customer while you're putting something else in. And you're eating tacos with your foot. You know, it, confidence comes from consistency or, you know, uh, consistency. <clears throat> Your, your parents, or if, if your parents here, uh, your first kid, we, we had our first kid. We're scared as crap. We don't know what we're doing. But I've heard that they get easier once, the, once you have more kids. And my sister has four kids, and she, you know, holds three of them on her hips. And she's like, oh, yeah, they just run around, do whatever. It's good. Yeah, it's fine. Confidence comes from consistency. Once you do it more often, you'll become more confident. It's the same thing when you fear the Lord. Don't expect today, if you make a decision, I'm going to fear God today, that tomorrow you're going to have to fight a Goliath. <laughs> it's probably not going to happen that way. I don't want to speak for God, but I'm just saying. Confidence comes from consistency. So if we are consistently each and every day in the, in, 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 in the, um, the pastures, then he'll prepare us for the battlefield. If we have enough fear and reverence for God in the pastures, in the easy times in life, in the times where we don't necessarily, I'm going to use this loosely, need him, air quotes, where we don't need him necessarily, where we don't think we need him, if we fear him in those times too, when it comes time where we're faced against a nine-foot giant, our proverbial Goliath, if you will, we're going to have a more confident fear of the Lord. David learned how to fear in the pastures first. And the Bible says this, that, 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 that David fought off lions and bears. And that's plural. Lions and bears. Not just one. A lot of them. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> multiple lions and multiple bears. And I, this isn't in the Bible. I just like to, to, to think. I just, the first time a lion showed up, I wonder what David did. I don't know. Maybe he had to tra- change his toga or something because it was like, whoa. But it became more consistent. You know, the, the first time he fought off the lion, he's like, oh, my gosh. God, you really are that good. You really do strengthen me when I need strength. You really do give me what I need in the moment. Wow, that's so cool. And, he, and this leads to more worship and more reference of God. And then I imagine the next time a critter came along, a, a critter, a bear <clears throat> came along, and, and <clears throat> David probably didn't hesitate as much that time. Wait a minute. God rescued me from this lion. He'll rescue me from the bear. Next day, lion, bear, bear lion, bear, and then it just becomes like he's just shooing them off like it's no big deal because he's that confident in the Lord. And so when David hears about this nine-foot giant blaspheming God and threatening the nation of Israel and speaking destruction into the air, it's no big deal. Sure, it's like, you know, it's a little edgy, but, but he has a fear of the Lord that was in the pastures that defended him from lions and bears I know the God who rescued me before. I'm confident he'll do it again in this season. I'm confident in his abilities and in his strength. I fear the Lord more than I fear this giant. And it's funny, Saul tried to give David some armor, and Saul was scared of the giant too. You, never, you know those people that like try to give you advice, but they are not really skilled in what they're giving you advice in? Like as nice as to be, you know, like someone who's like broke, and they're like, let me tell you what to invest in. It's like, eh. <laughs> Someone who's on their fourth marriage, like, let me tell you some, let me give you some relationship advice. It's like, no, I'm okay. That's Saul. He's like, I'm scared of this guy, but let me tell you what to do. And so he gives him his armor, and, and David puts it on. And he's like, ah, I don't know. I'm not used to this. I'm not used to this. I, 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 I don't fight my battles with, with, with swords and armor and, and you know, techniques. I, I fight my battles with the Lord. Give me my stick. I'm going to go get some rocks. We're going to go face this guy with my God, and I'm more confident in my God than I am your armor and your sword. David can stand up to this Philistine giant in confidence, but it wasn't the confidence in the armor, it wasn't the confidence in his ability, certainly. He's confident because he knows this fight is fixed. This fight is fixed. God already has the victory. Jesus already has the victory. So, so he can go into that knowing God and knowing and being confident And consistent in the battle. Noah, you can come on up. I'm closing out now. And I'm sure this was extremely irritating for David, watching this army, the Lord's army. Saul was was the, the king of Israel, the king of God's chosen people. I'm sure this irritated David as he watched every single one of the soldiers, including his brothers, back down in fear to this Philistine giant who was defying the armies of the living God. I'm sure this boiled David's blood. Come on, guys. This isn't the first battle you've been through. God has given you victory before, and you've seen what he can do. Why, why aren't you fearing God now? Why are you fearing God more? Why are you fearing Goliath more than you're fearing God? God. And it's because they, 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 they still allowed the, the, the fear of God, Goliath to take over the fear of God, but, but it's because they, they didn't see God for who he really is. Because if they did, if they knew God, if they, if they feared God and knew what he was capable of, they would know that nothing can stand in his way. But instead... They feared Goliath because clearly they didn't know God well enough. They didn't fear God well enough. And I I think that's our problem too. Somewhere along the way, we we lose sight of who God is. We lose sight of what God's capable of and, and, and the power and the might that God has. I think culture has turned God into this ideology or this feeling And 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 we've turned we've turned Christianity into just a a club to make you feel good. Come as you are and stay as you are. It's great. The water's warm. You know, or you know, God God wants you to be happy. We'll preach these messages. It's not true. You do you, boo-boo. No. We've lost sight of who God is. God is, is sovereign. God is a judge, and He's righteous. There is no room for sin; sin cannot exist in the sight of God. So I don't know where we've lost track and where we've lost our fear of God. To think, oh, we can just do whatever we want. God's going to forgive us, anyways. Do you realize how asinine that sounds? That, that would be the equivalent of saying, "Hey, keep having that affair on your uh, with, uh, keep having that affair." against your husband because he's a good husband he'll forgive you he's a good, good husband it's who he is that would be the same thing we say no, 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 no no. God God wants us to be happy God wants eh, we've lost sight of of who God is the sovereignty and the, the righteousness because the God I read about in the Bible is not this way oh, he's a forgiving God he is And he's a loving God, he's a merciful God, he is. But he is that way because of how strongly he feels about sin. Because he knows sin separates us from him. And because of his his love that is never ending for us, he doesn't want us to be separated from him. So he sent his own son to die for us. To put on flesh and blood for us, flesh and bone for us, and spill out his blood for us. To die a gruesome death on the cross for us, because he loves us that much. Oh, he's a just God, and he, but he's a forgiving God. That doesn't change his stance on sin. It doesn't make him more lenient for sin. We've got a good God who doesn't want to see us fall into separation from him. So we have to see him who he is in order to keep that reverent fear of God. The parts we don't like, the parts maybe we don't agree with. I heard someone say this once, if your God agrees with you all the time, you're not worshiping God, you're worshiping you. We have to see God for who he is. And and we cannot Fear God, we cannot be men and women after God's own heart if we do not reverence the true God. the just God, the sovereign God, the God who frees us from our sin, not keeps us in it. That God, the true God, that's who we have to fear. And, 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 and in order for our hearts to be more like His, we have to fear Him and see Him as he truly is, and He will transform our hearts each and every single day. He's almighty. He's all-powerful. He is God most high. The name that is above every other name. And one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. That's the God we serve. No Goliath is going to step in his way. He is just. He is righteous. And he is sovereign. So what does that look like? How do, we, how do we fear God? How do we reverence God? How, 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 do, I, how do I develop more of an understanding of, of who he is? And we talked about this two weeks ago. First, you have to know God. Not know about God. That's important. But I'm talking know God. Have a relationship with God. But then, knowing the extent that God went just to save you, just to tell you he loves you. His passionate love is for you. And when we see that, when we see his sovereignty, when we see his holiness, we can ask ourselves, okay, what do I do in response to this? How can I honor God with my life? I love what Psalm 112 says. We read this earlier, but we'll throw it back up on the screen. It says, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in what? Obeying His commands. Praise the Lord. How joyful are those who fear the Lord, who honor the Lord, who respect the Lord, who reverence the Lord, and delight in obeying His commands. God is not just someone who is spitting rules at us, telling us what to do because he's a control freak. That's not God. God gives us instructions. God gives us parameters. God sometimes tells us things through the Holy Spirit to do. And if we want to fear God, we have to delight in obeying his commands. Think of it this way. If you've had a a boss that you really, really loved, you really, really respected, and he, he came to you, he or she came to you and said, Hey, take out the trash. A mundane task, no big deal. But you like this boss. What do you do? You take out the trash. You say, All right, I, I want to please this boss. I want to make them happy. I want to honor them. I'm going to take out the trash. Versus a boss you don't like, Hey, take out the trash. Take out the trash. <laughs> you mock them. And we do it with, with bitterness the whole time. Take out the trash, take out your own trash. start whispering, muttering things under our breath. What's the difference? You honor one and you despise the other. We can delight in obeying His commands because we honor Him. We can delight in obeying His parameters because we honor Him, because we love Him. Do His work. Do it with delight. and Do it with joy. The Creator of the universe wants to be with you. He does. He wants you to see Him for who he is, and the awe and the wonder. I got, I got out of, or came out of my house this morning to get in the car, and I just looked up and was like, wow, just so blown away. I guess the lights were out or something, the power grid, I don't know, and I could see the moon, the stars, and I, I, I see them all, all the time, but I just really looked at them intentionally this time and, and thought, wow, God, you are so big. And then I got in my car and I saw an ant crawling around, and I was like, gross, But, God, you you are so precise. This is the God we serve, the creator of the universe and everything in it. From the biggest thing to the microorganisms. He's a powerful God. He's a just God. That God wants to be with us. Wants to be with us. I got one more scripture to share with us. And I'll shut up and let us go. It's in Acts chapter 9. This is the start of the modern day church. You know, Peter and the disciples they're they're leading this and the Holy Spirit's leading them. And this is what it says in Acts chapter 9. The church had peace. Man, I could stop right there and preach for 3 months. The church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria and it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord and with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. And, and catch this though, and it also grew in numbers. Winchester doesn't need another church. Winchester doesn't need another program. They don't need another worship service. They need a body of believers who fear God and delight in obeying his commands and, and delight in his presence and see him for who he really is. Because just here, The church needs it, people that fear God. And and the surrounding nations need people that fear God. With the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. I am convinced, this is the last thing I'll say, I am convinced that if we have a reverent fear, and not just a fear we say, yeah, I fear God, but I'm talking a true, in the pastor's fear of God, A true reverence for the Lord. A true heart of worship towards Jesus. I'm I'm telling you, this is what's going to change our world. This is what's going to change our city. Our city needs it. They don't need another church. They just need people that fear God and delight in obeying his commands. So how do we have, how do we be men and women after God's own heart? We talked about this. We, We have to know God. We have to have a relationship with God. We have to fear God. We have to reverence God, honor God with our lives. And he's going to transform our hearts. You're going to start to see things break out in you. You never would have thought possible when we fear the Lord. Let's jump up on our feet. We'll get ready to do baptisms. I told myself I would preach a short message. Sorry. <laughs> Getting ready to baptize some people that are... Um, in reverent fear of the Lord who have decided, I'm, I'm going to live my life for Jesus and Him alone. And maybe you want to make that decision today. I don't want to discourage you. We had a class last week to learn about it a little bit more, but you don't have to take that to get baptized. You just have to be willing to make the decision. You know what? I want to live my life for Jesus. I, I want to, to publicly display my new life in Christ. We'll have a shirt for you. You don't have to worry about getting your clothes wet. We had a shirt for you. We got some towels. Don't worry about it. But if that's something you want to do today, I, I want to encourage you to stay, go back to Lindsay when, after, we done, after we're done praying and, and talk to her. She'll hook you up. This is so important for us to fear God. So if I can impart anything on you today is just to honor the Lord with your lives, delight in obeying his commands, and see him for who he truly is. Jesus, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for this time that we get to spend together in, in worship and, and reading your scriptures and just being in your presence with, with, with one another. God, it is such a gift that we have. I think we take for granted so often the city is broken. Our people are broken. They're in need of a Savior and they don't even know it. I just pray that we would be the ones to step up in, in, in reverence and in fear to say that there is a God who lives, who loves, and who chases after his people. There is a God who did and gave everything up just to spend time with you. I pray you give us the courage and the boldness as we go out into this world who desperately needs a touch of your presence. And we get to bring the presence into the workplace. We get to bring your presence into our families. We get to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world to share the good news of your grace and mercy and love for all people. God, I pray you give us the courage and the boldness to live with this godly fear, to not be afraid of you, but to to fear you and to have such a fear for you that nothing else will stand in our way from getting to you. Nothing else will stand in our way that will cause us to fear that more than we fear you. This is our cry today. This is our prayer today. And let me speak to you in the room today. If, 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 if you are here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, or you're unsure, you don't really know what it looks like to, to follow Jesus, I've got some really encouraging news for you today. You don't have to do anything to earn it. God has given it to you so graciously. This, this gift of forgiveness, we're flawed people, but Jesus paid the price for our flaws. Jesus paid the price for our sins so we can come into relationship with him freely, not have to earn it, not have to pay for it. It's a free gift, and all we have to do is accept it. So if you're here in the room today and you're, you're, you're thinking, man, I, I don't know really anything about the Bible. I don't know anything about Jesus. That's Okay. Because today can be the day that you start your journey with him and it's going to change your life forever. I promise you. So if you, if you wanted to make the decision to follow Jesus today, all you have to do is just say in your heart, make, make a next step towards him. Turn from your old ways. Repent. It's this beautiful word. Repent and turn from your old ways and start to pursue Jesus with everything that you have. And it sounds intimidating when you say, give your life to Jesus, but just give today to Jesus and watch what happens. Tomorrow when you wake up, do the same thing. Watch what happens. I promise your life will never be the same. So if that's you today, I want to encourage you to make that decision. If you're here in the room today and you're like, "Uh, it's been a while since I have really prayed. It's been a while since I have really kept up with my relationship with Jesus. I've got good news for you, too. You can restart today by doing the same thing. Turn from your old ways and just pursue him. That's all it looks like. It's so simple. We've overcomplicated it for, for hundreds of years. Just pursue Jesus. Maybe you want to make that decision to get baptized today. Maybe God is speaking to you, something to you right now. That little voice in your head is like, man, maybe I should do this. That may very well be the Lord. And you can make the decision to obey that command, to, to obey his promptings. And make a public declaration of faith and say, you know what, I'm going to get baptized today. We do this like once every six months, so... you don't do it today, you can do it some other time, but I really want to encourage you not to miss out on today. God, I thank you for every person in this room here in this message that, that, that you love them so much. I pray that you would keep us safe, bless us as we go out of here, and let our lives be completely transformed because of your presence. God, we give our lives to you. We give our hearts to you. And we lay it all down at your feet. We lay our baggage here and we don't pick it up when we leave. We declare this in Jesus' mighty name. All the church said, Amen and amen. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this message. We pray that God has used this message to speak to you and to show you how much he loves you. And if God has shown you something incredible, we want to hear about it. Please send us an email to hello at afreshchurch.com. And if you want to partner with us financially to help our ministry spread the good news of Jesus' love for all people, you can do so at afreshchurch.com give. Every dollar we receive goes back to loving people into a relationship with Jesus. We want to encourage you to go out and live life with the one who gives life because it's so much better when we do it with Jesus.